0: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here in worship. Will you listen with me from the word of God as we begin our worship time this morning? Psalm ninety five. You know it. You might could even say it with me. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountain are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing together? Raise our voices to Him.
1: Oh, creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Hallelujah. Not fosse...
0: seated.
2: Well, good morning. It's great, great to see you back with us today in worship, and thank you to those that are joining us online. We saw, we're we sorry about last Sunday. Uh, we're glad to have the power back on this week, and we're sorry that we were not able to broadcast that last week. Please go and look online, though, and listen to that message. Another audio portion is on that from Pastor Scott last week. That was a great message that needs to be heard so i want to encourage you to go and do that uh, we do want to welcome all of our guests that are with us today uh, if, if you are a guest we ask you to please take one of the care cards that are located in, in front of you in the pew rack uh, we'd like to have your information at least send you something from pitts baptist and thank you for being with us today and on the back of the care card for everyone is a place to fill in prayer requests or prayer needs and so we want to be praying for you if you will uh, put those cards in the boxes on the round table as you leave this morning uh, we'll direct those to the right place and make sure that we're praying for you but thank you again uh, for being with us in worship today i do have quite a few, uh, quite a few announcements with the holiday season so if you'll bear with me uh, first of all tonight we do have a thanksgiving meal uh, tonight at five o'clock that is a ticketed event and then at six o'clock starts the unticketed event for the service so if you didn't get a ticket come be with us at six o'clock we'll be observing the lord's supper and all of that will happen down in the core so please meet down there tonight Always a special service for Thanksgiving. And then uh, also our Angel Tree, our annual Angel Tree, uh, sponsored by our youth, is now available in both lobbies of this building and the core. Uh, this is a great opportunity to help needy families in our church and community go by and get a tag. There's folks there that can give you instructions. But it's really to, to really have Christmas gifts for those that may not have gifts on Christmas morning. So if you can help with that, those need to be returned by December the 12th. And then also, we'll be decorating the campus next Saturday, November 27th. And, and Garrett asked me to please ask for help. If you uh, enjoy doing decorating, even if you don't enjoy decorating, and could come, that would be great to be here. She would like to know how many are coming because she's going to have biscuits and some continental breakfast items. So if you would go by and sign up in the lobby to make sure we have enough here to feed you, that would be great. And then our uh, operate, uh, Operation Christmas Child Processing Center, we're doing that here as a transfer location, but on November 29th, that's a Monday night, we're gonna leave at 5.30 from the core and go to the larger processing center in Charlotte and work there from uh, basically from 5.30, we get back at 10.30 that night. If you would like to go, we'd love to have you come. There's also a sign-up sheet for that in the lobby. And then our ladies' Christmas event on December the 2nd, Carols of Hope, begins at 6 30. the the tickets are ten dollars for that does include your meal and the deadline is november 28th sign up for that and then saturday of hope december the fourth we have breakfast at eight o'clock there are projects here at church and in the community for us to do and so we want to encourage you to sign up for that and be here for that so a lot of things again happening one other thing our men's christmas project we always collect non-perishable food items and $10 in donations to help with that to give to the needy of our church and visit with our folks that are shut in. Uh, And So if you can help with that, those boxes are also located in the lobby. We have a special presentation this morning, so I'll ask Jonathan and Pastor Scott to come and make those presentations.
0: She's gonna kill me because she does not know anything about this. Camilla. Would you come to the (laughs) the stage here? (laughs) About five years ago we were faced with an open staff accompanist position for some changes that were going on in our church. And Camilla and her family had been coming to Pitts for um, over a year and we found out that she played piano and keyboards and was an accomplished accompanist. You see there's a big difference between somebody that can just play the piano, and an accompanist who plays and sings and accompanies uh, singers and instruments. And Camilla quickly folded right in and has been an invaluable part of our worship team ever since. She almost never balks at anything I throw at her. <laughs> and she has faithfully served as accompanist for our youth ensemble also for, all these, uh, for these years. She's a real team player, and I appreciate both her friendship and her professionalism. Thank you, Camilla, for your service.
3: <clears throat> Listen to Paul's words in 2 <laughs> Timothy. Uh, chapter 2 he says you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also do you hear the the different generations being impacted in that verse Teach the gospel to those who come after you, that they'll be faithful, and teach it to others. I want to ask Kevin and Molly Knight if they would come to the platform. Years ago, our personnel committee and church uh, enacted a policy that every five years, a significant milestone in a staff member's life, we would present them with a special time of recognition. Uh, believe it or not, Kevin and Molly have been with us for 15 years now. You. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I still remember so well when myself and the personnel committee we were uh, perusing through all of the many resumes that we had received as a church. And we had narrowed it down to three couples and three individuals to serve in in Kevin's position. And uh, we brought them in, and Kevin and Molly were actually the last ones among those three. And when we completed that interview, it was absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind. I mean, there was not even a shadow of a doubt in anybody's mind, that this is the man that God was calling to lead our young people uh, as a church. And uh, we've never regretted that. Uh, The Kevin you see and run into, the the jolly, good-natured Kevin and the sweet-spirited Molly, that's the same Kevin and Molly that you meet in person on a one-on-one basis. Such a delightful couple. Uh, You know, the average... Southern Baptist Church out of 50,000 churches across the nation, the average Southern Baptist Church has about 150 people on roll and runs in attendance somewhere between about 60 and 80. That is the typical Southern Baptist Church. Uh, with 80 plus youth on a regular basis, Kevin Knight has a church. Bigger than most of our Southern Baptist congregations. Uh, You know, this past summer, he took the biggest group ever to Snowbird and uh, took about 80. And he's got a a youth lock-in coming up. I know he he loves those lock-ins where he can stay up all night with the young people. And he'll have 150, 200 youth at that lock-in. So a tremendous amount of people that he ministers to. As I look around the congregation, if I were to ask everybody to stand that Kevin and Molly have impacted in their ministry in some way, I think when you're you're talking about grandparents, parents, siblings, children, I think just about everybody in here would be impacted by his ministry in some way. So, Kevin and Molly, we want to honor you today and thank you for your service to Pitts Baptist, and we have something to present to you, and then afterwards, Connie and I will entertain Kevin and Molly for his favorite pastime, which is eating. (laughs) First, to Molly and Kevin, hands off, this is Molly's.
0: Would you stand as we continue worship together this morning?
1: A saint sing. What love could remember the wrongs we have done? Almighty all, all know he counts not their son thrown into our Tender is calling us home He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. How sins they are many! His mercy is all. What riches of kindness! was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord. Stronger than darkness through everyone morn. Sins they are many, His mercy is breaks the Lord.
3: Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. It is so good to have power this morning. (laughs) Such small blessings in life. By the way, uh, Kevin Knight and myself will be happy to talk to you afterwards about a challenge that Pastor Seeger and Robbie gave us recently to challenge us to a game of golf. And uh, Kevin Knight and myself will be happy to tell you about the results of that. But, uh, you know, we were, we were humbled, though, when we got back to the clubhouse and the two women playing in front of us. Uh, one was 89, the other was 91, and both of their scores were higher than ours. So that, that kind of took the joy out of the day. But anyway... That's just a joke, but it wouldn't have to be a joke. It could be the truth. But anyway, take your Bibles and turn to two passages with me this morning. First of all, we will be in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And then I'm also going to ask you uh, to put a marker in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look this morning at the uh, topic, gratitude in excess or not. Gratitude in excess or not. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Mark writes, it was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread... There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. Father, we thank you that through the power of your Spirit, you have chosen to include this touching story inside the pages of, of inspired scripture we thank you for Mary's example and how Mary puts us to shame because oftentimes we have calculators in our minds and we measure out our commitment and sacrifice to you and yet Lord you on the other hand have lavished us with your grace and mercy and all good things to enjoy. God, I pray that this Thanksgiving season, that we would respond in gratitude. By giving the sacrifice of ourselves. Poured out in full. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dr. Kent Hughes is a pastor and a writer who wrote one of the books that recently went meant so much to our men's ministry as we had small groups going through that book in its entirety. He tells the story of an incident that he and his wife experienced with their little son who was a toddler at the time. You see, his wife had won a beautiful, decorative recipe box. It was a box that was so nice, in fact, that she painstakingly redid all of her recipe cards and she filed them away very carefully inside of that box. And it was so unique and beautiful that it had become a conversation piece to just about any guest who came to their home. Well, their small son would often watch his mother get the box down, rummage through it for a recipe for that day, and he learned very quickly that that box was very special to his mother. One day, friends of his wife had dropped by, friends of Dr. Yu's wife dropped by to take her out for a birthday luncheon, and when she came back, their little son ran up to her with something behind his back and he was all bug-eyed and excited. He said, "Mommy, thank you for being such a good mommy to me. I have a very special birthday gift for you." He was holding the gift behind his back. He he brought it out and initially her heart sank a bit. You see, It was that decorative recipe box that everybody made such an ordeal over. But he had somehow or another scraped all of the decorative elements off of the outside of that box that had made it so attractive. He dumped all of the recipe cards into the garbage which had been picked up that day by the garbage men. And he had lined the box with foil inside and some of the outside portions. And inside he had put a nickel and a plastic alligator along with a picture of himself. Happy birthday mommy, he said. Dr. Kent writes, she still has that box and it is among her most treasured possessions. He said, as a matter of fact, if our home were to burn to the ground and she were to run back in to to try to save a few things, there is little doubt in my mind that that box would be the first treasure that she would try to save. We meet a woman in our story today, most agree that it is Mary. Mary, the sister of Martha and of Lazarus. Now John's gospel, you see, provides those details. And John's gospel gives us more details of the setting of this incident. There's a a similar story in Luke chapter 7, but I don't want you to confuse that story with this one. Because you see in that story in Luke chapter 7, it is a prostitute that Jesus has forgiven of her sins. And she does something very similar as an expression of her gratitude to the Lord. But here in this passage we find Mary. She's had her life changed, the life of her family. We all know what Jesus has done for her and her family. He has raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. Now I want you to notice the setting. Verse 3 tells us the setting is a banquet. And the banquet took place in the home of someone by the name of Simon the leper. We know almost nothing else about him other than this. Simon the leper. It's believed that maybe this is a banquet of thanksgiving given by Simon for Jesus and his disciples in celebration and thanksgiving of Jesus having cured him of his leprosy. Now when we put all the details of the story together along with John chapter 12, we, we learn that there's quite a crowd here. John's gospel tells us that Lazarus was there. Again, Jesus had raised him from the dead. You can read about that in John chapter 11. And then there's Martha who is also present and true to her character. John tells us that she was serving everybody. And then in addition to the meal being a Thanksgiving meal from Simon, it's probably... Lazarus to have a chance to honor Jesus for what Jesus has done for him. And so I want you to think of all of the characters that are present. There's Simon, there's Mary, there's Martha, there's Lazarus. There would have been a good number of friends and family present. And Matthew's gospel tells us also that the 12 disciples were present. And so all in all, this is a pretty sizable Thanksgiving dinner. How would you like to have a crowd like this over for lunch on Thursday? It'd be a lot of people to prepare for. And think about the mood. There's Simon, as I mentioned, he's been healed of his leprosy. A a disease that back then could have very likely have been a death sentence. But now he's clean. He's not isolated from everybody anymore because lepers had to live in isolation. And if anybody got too close to him, they would have to cry out, leper, leper, to warn people so they wouldn't get too close to him in proximity. But now he can mingle around people. He's been healed. So he's present. Lazarus is there, raised from the dead. He's not in the tomb anymore. He's raised from the dead and, and he's eating turkey and dressing and sweet potatoes and ban, uh, banana pudding just like the rest of them. And Mary and Martha are there. They're so thankful that their brother is alive. Their brother that they loved a great deal. And so they all had big reasons to celebrate. They had big reasons to show gratitude. Gratitude. All of them had the opportunity to be extravagant, as a matter of fact, in their gratitude. But I want you to notice only one shows gratitude in an extravagant way. Now I also want you to think of the timing of all of this because it's going to play into the story. It's the Passover. Now you'll remember what the Passover was all about. You can go all the way back to Exodus chapter 12 in the Old Testament and read about it. There was one last plague that God was going to bring on the Egyptians so they would drive the Israelites out. God was going to bring about the uh, death of the firstborn of the Egyptians, but he was going to spare the Hebrews. And so they were to take a lamb without spot and without blemish, they were to kill it, they were to roast it in a certain way, but they were to take the blood and put it all over the doorpost of their home so the death angel would pass over them. And that's exactly what happened. And when the Egyptians saw what had happened, they drove the Israelites out. They said, if we don't get rid of this group of Hebrews, there's not a one of us that will be left. And so they drove the Hebrews out of Egypt and famously we celebrate the exodus in the Old Testament. Well folks, that's very significant because a lamb would be slain. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 5-7 that Jesus is our new Passover lamb that has been slain. We'll talk about that more in a moment later on. But as we think of thanksgiving, I I think this story is certainly very fitting because here was a woman truly grateful for what Christ has done for her and her family. And she wasn't ashamed to show thanks. First of all, I want you to notice with me this morning an extravagant act of gratitude. Mary offered to Jesus something of great value. It appears to be a very spontaneous act of gratitude. Now, I want you to picture the scene. Here they are. They're all around the table. They've enjoyed food and and fellowship together. Jesus is talking to his disciples and to Simon and Lazarus. And all of a sudden, Mary quietly comes in with this flask of precious ointment or perfume. And it was held in a very special container. An alabaster jar. Such a jar would have a long slender neck on it. And if it was your intention to use up all of the contents, you would simply break the neck off and pour out the contents. And that's exactly what Mary does. Mary's generous gratitude broke with tradition. And it would have ignored the social customs of the day. You see, she entered into a room full of men. And then she breaks off the neck of the bottle, pours the whole contents over the head uh, and, and feet of Jesus as everybody watches in utter disbelief and amazement. It was an extravagant and open display of gratitude. She took the risk. It was based upon her devotion. She didn't care about criticism. She didn't care about custom. She didn't care about the cost. She went above and beyond what others did and what was customary. It was customary, you see, to take a cheaper bottle of perfume or ointment, and just as guests would enter your home, you would just put a drop or two on them. Symbolic. That was custom. But she goes well above and beyond that. I mean just look at what she does. She doesn't take cheap perfume. She took the best. And she doesn't just put a drop or two. On Jesus' head and feet. She dumps the whole alabaster jar on him. And we're told that it was pure nard. You see the gospel writers are trying to tell us something here. By calling it precious ointment pure nard. Because everybody knew how costly pure nard was. It was a rare ointment that came from a Himalayan plant over in India. And not many people could even afford to have it and we're told what hers was worth it was worth the wages of an average working person for an entire year you see an average person would make one uh, denarius per day and when you subtract the Sabbaths out, uh, we're told here that there was, this was 300 denarii worth of this pure nard. And so this is something that is of great value and great cost and great sacrifice. Probably not very many people would be willing to part with the gift so special as this. But you know, Mary knew that Jesus was worth any expense. But you know, oftentimes we're quite different from Mary, aren't we? We calculate and we give to God in little portions. Or or maybe we'll just give to God what we don't even want anymore. You know, if it's something left over. I think of what Dr. Danny Aiken, the president of Southeastern Seminary, says in Wake Forest. He talks one time about how their church was, was just getting done building a new youth wing and a big youth center and they were having a big dedication uh, service for that and they wanted to furnish various areas of this youth center for the youth. Well, you know what people did? Instead of going out and buying new stuff for the youth center, everybody said, hey, this is a chance for us to get new stuff at home. We'll donate our leftovers, what we don't want anymore, and we'll give the youth the leftovers. He said, so that's what the church did and Danny Akin said I've got to be honest I was right in there with them doing the same thing giving the leftovers I think of the book of Malachi last book of the Old Testament Malachi was chastising the people or God through Malachi because they were no longer bringing the best offerings anymore. They were bringing the blind and the lame and diseased. They were to give the best. But they were only giving to the temple what they didn't want anymore. And God said through Malachi, try giving those kind of gifts to your governor. Do you think he would be pleased? Obviously not. We give leftovers. What we don't want. But Mary gave the best. It was lavish. It was extravagant. She did something lavish for Jesus just out of simple gratitude. And you know, he deserved it. I want you to think about it. In John's gospel, let's take a little different twist on John's gospel. John's gospel closes by telling us... That if everything that Jesus had ever said and done was written down in a book, the whole universe couldn't contain all of the books. You think exaggeration? Maybe not. Because think, he's the eternal son of God. So John's not just talking about what he did in his earthly life. But John says if everything could be written down about Jesus, the universe couldn't contain it. But folks, think of being able somehow, if we could reach up in the skies and we could pull all the different corners of the universe down and and we could fold them over and wrap them up and tie a nice little bow around everything in the universe and present it to Jesus. You know what? That would still be a gift far too small. He deserves everything. Jesus deserves our highest gratitude. I want you to turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll come back later to Romans 12. But in Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to notice what Paul is doing here. He is enumerating the reasons why we ought to give blessings and gratitude to God. And you know what he's going to do in these verses, in verses 3 and following of chapter 1? He's going to talk about what the Father has done, what the Son has done, and what the Holy Spirit has done. All the members of the Godhead, what they have done. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's what he's given to you. If you're a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? One of these days, you're going to see what those blessings are in their fullness. He goes on to say, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He chose you. That you should be holy and blameless. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of His will to the praise of His glorious grace. This is what the Father has done for you a reason for gratitude for gratitude in excess yes look at what he moves on to say about jesus in him we have redemption through his blood jesus christ hung on the cross shed his blood for you he died for you while we were yet sinners christ died for us he gave up his life shed his blood For you. The forgiveness of our trespasses. He lavished upon us. His grace, the riches of His grace, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. You see, God's will that was, that was such a mystery to some people, Jesus Christ made it so clear and so plain. John 1 says, Jesus came to expound or to exegete what God is like, to explain what God is like. Paul goes on to say in verse 11, in him we've obtained an inheritance. There's that inheritance thought again. And then in verse 13 he says, in him also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's seal of ownership that you belong to him. And the Holy Spirit is also, as verse 14 points out, a guarantee of more to come. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see how rich that you are in Christ? I mean, look at what each member of the Trinity has given to us. You can't put a price tag on these things. These are things that impact not only time, but all of eternity. And this is what God has done for us. You see now why it was so fitting for Mary to give Jesus a lavish gift out of gratitude? Was her gratitude excessive in light of all this? I think not. Secondly, I want you to see that such gratitude can often be misunderstood. Look at how the story develops back there in, in Mark chapter 14. You know, you know, when we see the uproar that it causes, it, it makes us realize that, that people don't mind giving to Jesus in small doses. But you know, they may say, let's not get carried away with it. You know when it comes to matters of our faith we we can measure things out we'll do a little we'll give a little Mary gives all And some are filled with absolute indignation. The crowd there did not approve. They felt it was an utter waste. And they begin to calculate in their minds. This could have been sold and and would be a year's wage. Again, that shows how valuable this pure nard was. And they are rebuking Mary. And I want you to notice who led the criticism. John 12 clarifies for us that it was none other than Judas who led in this criticism. And the Bible tells us why Judas said what he said. He wasn't concerned about the poor at all. He was greedy. He was a thief. He would have liked this to have been sold, the money put in the treasury bag for the disciples so he could in turn skim off of it, steal from it for himself. You know, another place in Scripture, Mary's being criticized again. This time not by Judas, but by her own sister, Martha. You remember that story? Luke chapter 10, Jesus is teaching His disciples and Martha is scurrying about, serving them. Mary's seated at the feet of Jesus. She's listening to Jesus. Martha comes running in and says with indignation in her voice, Lord, tell my sister to help me. She's criticizing Mary too. You know, there's always going to be critics. Don't base what you do or don't do on critics. If you do, you won't ever do anything. And then guess what? You'll be criticized for that too. <laughs> now what they're saying is this seems like such a waste to me. It wasn't a waste at all. In Mary's viewpoint. I mean, I'm sure if you could sit down and interview Mary about this, she would say, you know, you know, I wish I would have had a whole lot more than that to give to Jesus. And speaking about them being in, indignant, in the Greek text, it, when it says that many were indignant, the words that are used, the word picture behind it is that they snorted. And the word picture behind that word was like a, a raging bull, its nostrils flaring out. You remember some of those cartoons your children or grandchildren used to watch? And, and maybe there'd be some raging bull, and I mean, it'd be, it'd be uh, scraping its feet, ready to charge at somebody. And that bull would be angry, and those nostrils would be flaring in and out and in and out. You, you've seen pictures like that, right? Right. Well, that's that's what Mark is saying. Basically, the critics were doing. I mean, they're angry. They're looking at Mary. They're ready to pounce on her, and they're not. It's like their nostrils are flared in and out. You know, nobody complains over gratitude carefully measured. Again, people just think, don't go overboard. You know, there may be a family in the church. There may be a couple in the church. And they are tickled to death. They are tickled beyond measure that their young person has gotten involved, first of all, in the children's ministry, then the youth ministry, and then the college ministry. They're just so thrilled to death to see their child serving the way they are in the church. And then the child announces they're going to go into missions and maybe go to a dangerous part of the world. And I've known of some couples, I don't know of any here, but I've known of some couples before, that would get angry over that and go to the preacher and say, Preacher, you better better talk little Johnny or little Susie out of this. Or an unchurched husband. He's fine that his wife leaves him alone, gets up on Sunday morning, and she goes to church without him. He's fine with that. But then he gets to reconciling the bank statements and he sees that she's actually giving to the church. He's outraged by it. But you know what, folks? I would say the Bible calls all of us to go overboard. You say, well, Scott, we don't have a flask of pure nard worth 300 denarii. We supposed to give to show lavish love, to show lavish gratitude the way Mary did. I'm glad you asked that question. Turn with me to Romans 12 a minute. Romans 12. Many of you know the verse by heart, the passage by heart. In Romans 12, Paul says there. I I appeal to you, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Think back to Ephesians 1 again. Remember what we said about everything God's done? The mercies of God, all of the benevolent acts of God, the gracious deeds of God done for us. He says... He says, think about that. Think of everything that God has done for you. And I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You remember in the Old Testament, worship at the temple. What was worship at the temple all about? It was all about a sacrifice. A sacrifice that would be made. They're on the altar and the blood sprinkled. But in the New Covenant, the New Testament, who's the temple? You and I are. And you know what? Worship is still about sacrifice, isn't it? But it's not a dead animal. It's you. It's me. That's why some translations say... Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, this is truly the way to worship God, or this is your reasonable act of worship. Worship is still about a sacrifice, but this time in the New Covenant, it's about you. Because you and I are the temple of God, and we are to sacrifice ourselves. Given to Him in service. You say, what's that going to look like? He goes on to explain, we're not going to be conformed to the ways of the world, but we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then Paul goes into this listing of spiritual gifts in Romans 12. There's not a disconnect here folks. There's not a disconnect between the spiritual gifts and Paul saying that you're to offer your life and me to offer my life as a living sacrifice. a Sacrifice laid on the altar for God because it's through your spiritual gift. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's leadership. Maybe it's administration. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's showing mercy. Whatever your spiritual gift is as you carry that out for the body of Christ guess what your life is being that living sacrifice poured out just like this alabaster jar was poured out you and I are to be poured out and that is to be an act that is to be our act of worship Showing gratitude. Is that how you live? If we could interview your family and friends and talk about what's important to you and how you spend your time and energies, would the first thought they come to mind be he or she pours out their life using their spiritual gift and their very life poured out in service For the King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, we tend to fear man. Maybe it's time we fear God more than we fear man. Fear the one who really matters. And sacrifice for him. Live for him. Regardless of what people around you say or think. Thirdly, I want you to see the Lord Jesus commended such gratitude in excess. Notice what Jesus did. He he commends the beauty of the lavishness of gratitude that was was shown for His sake. And, And He also speaks to the timelessness of it. He's about to go to the cross. Moments are fleeing by. This is probably the last truly selfless act that somebody does for Christ before his suffering begins. In fact, when he went to the cross, because see, after this, he's about to be arrested. Some people believe when Jesus went to the cross and was beaten and flogged and his clothes stripped off of him, he still had the aroma of this anointment, uh, anointing on him. Acts of devotion and gratitude are fleeting. Mary saw this and she did what she could. It had special significance. You see folks, it seems like Mary understood even better than the disciples what was about to happen. And she anoints his body for burial. You remember in Matthew 16 when Simon said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and Jesus commended Peter? You remember that? It's interesting, the very next thing that said, after this confession by Peter, Scripture says that Jesus took his disciples aside and began to show them that he must go to Jerusalem, be mocked, and whipped, and crucified. You remember what Peter said? Them, not so, Lord. That's not going to happen. And then Jesus said to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan." I think Mary understood his words. What what was about to happen. She could witness all the hostilities around Jesus. And and she sees that he's been working his way towards Jerusalem. It's time for Passover. She's listening carefully to everything Jesus has said. You know what? I, I think God has revealed to her in a very special way what is about to happen. And she anoints his body for burial. It's prophetic. It's timely. But it says to us, time for acts of gratitude are now. There may never be another opportunity for you to do this in that Romans 12 sense of making yourself a living sacrifice poured out for him. You don't know what tomorrow holds for you. You may only have today. Moses said in Psalm 90, Lord, teach us to number not our weeks or months or years, but even our days that we might live wisely. Just like with people so often, we miss opportunities to show gratitude. We can do the same in our service with the Lord. We can, we can miss the chance. Jesus not only commends the timeliness of it, but the depth of it. She did more than she realized, he said. She anointed his body. And his conclusion, this is not a waste at all. Sure, the money money she could have gotten is gone. But think of time and eternity. Over the span of 2,000 plus years, had this ointment been sold for $300, we wouldn't know anything about it. But what Mary did, we're still talking about it today. Her act will never be forgotten. Again, contrast this with Judas. Scripture says in the book of Acts of Judas, it would have been better had he never been born. And in the verses that follow this story we're told that Jesus I mean that Judas went out to betray Jesus. Judas sold Jesus out for a low price. 30 pieces of silver. You know what 30 pieces of silver would buy you according to the book of Exodus Exodus 21 verse 32. 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave. Accidentally gored to death by an ox. If you had an ox accidentally gored somebody to death, somebody's servant, somebody's slave, what did you owe them? 30 pieces of silver. For slave, gored to death. 30 pieces of silver. That is apparently all that Jesus meant to Judas. The price of a servant. Huge contrast. Precious alabaster jar of pure nard worth a year's wages. Are we willing to throw Jesus out on the trash heap of our lives, so to speak, for such a small gain? Are we willing to be like Mary and give everything because He deserves it? You know, for some people, Jesus adds to their reputation. They'll use Jesus, you know. He'll make me look good in the church to fellow businessmen and women. Some people maybe come to him thinking about what they might get. Oh, I'll ask for this, I want this and this and this. I'll come to Christ, what he might give me in return. But you know what? Mary gives all out of gratitude. Jesus is about to die. She's not expecting anything in return. She gives everything. Jesus said it was a good thing. A beautiful thing that she did. Let's explore that word a minute. You see there's two different words for good. There's the word agathos. It means morally good. And the other word is kalos. It means not only morally good but also lovely to behold or beautiful. And that's the word Jesus uses here. Her gift was not only agathos, morally good and upright, but it was beautiful for Jesus to behold. I want you to remember something about Mary. She had Martha for a sister. First century Martha Stewart. And Mary wasn't anything like her sister Martha. Mary wasn't anything like Simon Peter. Wasn't anything like James and John, the sons of thunder. She's nothing like them. What can I give to him? Scripture says here she gave what she could. Think about that. You know, that's what we need to do, right? Not comparing ourselves. what's, What's he doing? What's she doing? What are they doing? but rather, what can I do? What can I do? How can I serve him? Romans 12 way. How can I do that? Regardless of whether or not anybody else around me does it or not. What can I do? Jim and Elizabeth Elliot went as missionaries to the Quechua Indians of Ecuador. And while there, they came into contact with the Alca Indians. The Alka Indians were a fierce tribal group of people who had killed every outsider who had ever tried to come to them. You remember the story. There's Even movies made about it. Books written about it. Jim and his missionary partners had befriended some of this fierce tribe. And they thought... We, we can finally reach the Alka Indians. But on a beach one day, the Alka Indians speared to death Jim Elliott and all of his missionary friends. Elizabeth Elliot took their 10-month-old daughter, Valerie, went back to live among the Kichua tribe, And through that experience, she wanted to continue to make inroads to the Alcatraz, who had killed her husband. She discovered among some in this tribe that ethics and morals as as we know them were simply non-existent. She also noticed in their language they had no word for gratitude. To use a word for gratitude, they had actually borrowed a word from the Spaniards. And when they were dealing with outside people groups, they would use that word. But within their tribe, again, they had no word for gratitude. They had no fear of God, no love of God. No gratitude to him and did not even have a word in their language for gratitude. Think of that. No God, no fear of God, no word for gratitude. Folks, that's not how we're to be. We're to be a people of gratitude. Because we know that we have a great God. For Mary, gratitude was an alabaster jar of pure nard. What is it for you? Put away the calculators in your mind. In fact, don't even necessarily think in terms of money at all. But what do you need to sacrifice And give. Showing gratitude. For the salvation that you have in Christ. Would you stand please? Perhaps somebody here today. You need to start a journey of gratitude by giving your all. Giving yourself to Christ. First time same. I need you in my life, be my Lord and Savior. Maybe for those who have done that in some time in the past, you know you've begun to live maybe carelessly, selfless, selfishly, maybe giving yourself as a living sacrifice, that's, that's not even a part of your life anymore, but you know you need to get back to that. Commit to doing that this morning. And do it through sacrificially giving of whatever spiritual gift is yours. Remember, you're the temple. An altar is the heart of temple worship. And the sacrifice is to be you. Let's sing together.